or you could just be out of a job. And the way I looked at it is if we didn't have a house payment anymore, and if I needed to, I could go support my family without changing anything that we did day to day by working at a fast food restaurant. Interesting. So when did you pay that off? Welcome millionaires and future millionaires. You're listening to the Millionaires Unveiled podcast, the show where you'll hear the stories and interviews of everyday millionaires. We'll unveil their decisions, their strategies, and their portfolio allocation. Now to your host, Jace Mattinson. Welcome back to another episode of the Millionaires Unveiled podcast. This is episode number 334. Stace, how's it going? I feel better than I sound. <laughs> I'm so sorry. My immune system is just shot when I'm pregnant. And I lost my voice a week ago, and uh, we're still struggling. But the good news is, on today's episode with Frank, which is fantastic, I have full vocals for that one. <laughs> yeah, well, appreciate you uh, chiming in real quick, even uh, despite the uh, the raspy voice. We're not sure if it's possibly early allergies which we usually don't see in texas until kind of january but uh we've had some spectacular weather lately so may uh may have opened up the uh allergy season a little early so before we get into today's episode i want to read a couple reviews uh this one comes from itunes it said good listen Really enjoyed episode 333 with Mike. Nice to hear his experience and views on things at 71. Sometimes the cocky youngsters can be a bit much, but still a good listen. All right. And then this one is a Maddie Pie fun listen. I started listening to this podcast recently, but have consumed all a lot of the content. I like the host's ability to remain fairly neutral and let the guests tell their story. He doesn't make judgment, even when you can sense the guest is looking for confirmation on what they have done. I particularly like to find episodes with new millionaires, so that I have stories to relate to, and looking forward to hearing from people with larger portfolios later. I tend to skip the episodes with military personnel. I was surprised to learn many guests have gotten rich the boring slash vanilla way. Appreciate those reviews. Uh, as always, they're unfiltered, so you can go check them out if you don't, if you uh, want to uh, check those out yourself. And also, if you haven't left one yet, we'd love for you to leave us a review. Helps us continue to grow the show, reach new millionaire interviewees. And uh, Matty Pie, you're in luck today because we've got a newly minted millionaire. In fact, his net worth just crossed the million dollar mark recently. His name's Frank. And uh, yeah, he's got paid for a house. He's got quite a bit, about a third or a little over a third in his retirement accounts and then a substantial chunk in obviously the home equity in the house that he has paid off. And then the rest is split between a couple different investments, between some cash and uh, real estate syndication investment that he made recently and a couple other things. So going to be a great episode with him. Basically went from living credit card statement to credit card statement uh, to where he is today working in the uh, uh, building materials industry. So last week we had Mike. Net worth of $16.9 million, retired uh, at 71. It was a great episode with him. If you'd like to be on the show, send us an email, unveiled at gmail.com. We'd love to uh, get you scheduled uh, here coming up in 2024. We've got a few guests scheduled already, but looking for some more. So without any further delay, let's get into today's episode with Frank. Frank, do you want to just give us a little bit of your background and what you're up to now? Yeah, absolutely. So... I'm married. I've got uh, three kids, and I work in the uh, building materials industry. Um, started out in the industry, as I tell people, I used to work for a living. 
so I used to swing a hammer, used to build houses, and through the progression of my career, uh, now working in the sales side of things, uh, some 30, almost 30 years later. Wow. And what is your net worth today? So just uh, just passed the million dollar mark here about two weeks ago. Nice. Congrats. A newly minted millionaire coming to the million dollar holler. I love it. Yeah. We just need to have a format of for what that sounds like. I haven't figured <laughs> that out. <laughs> so how is the million bucks broken up? So what I've got here in my spreadsheet, and I kind of rounded numbers up and down just to make them a little more even and easy to understand. Um, in 401k, which includes Roth, about 343000 uh, about 33000 in a brokerage account, uh, 25000 in HSA. Um, we've also got some uh, UGMA or UTMA accounts for the kids for $18,500, uh, $89,000 $89, in, cash. in cash. And, and I've got a little got investment a, into a real estate a syndication, real syndication for $25,000, a couple hundred bucks in crypto, and then a paid for house that is valued at around 477000 Okay, let's start with that real quick. The paid for house. When did you decide to pay that off and why? So I decided to pay that off uh, at this point is probably about eight years ago. So kind of what got me, a couple of things that got me on this bandwagon, whatever you want to call it, and the direction that we headed was, uh, of course, the big name in personal finance being Dave Ramsey, right? And debt-free. And so I had kind of set a goal uh, I think um, when I was around 35, I could see that we were getting there to have the house paid off because that was our only debt that we had and just to be completely debt-free by the age of 40. And uh, and so that was that was the goal that I was shooting for. I know a lot of people talk about, should you pay off your house? Should you not pay off your house? You know, we had a, a 15-year fixed term at 2.75% interest, which by the math makes no sense at all. Uh, but for me, it, it wasn't even like a lot of people say the peace of mind of it. It was more the idea of cash flow and really, really low expenses. Having been in this industry, obviously for a long time, it hadn't always been stable. The career, things would change. If the market changes, you know, your inc- income could change drastically or you could just be out of a job. And the way I looked at it is if we didn't have a house payment anymore, and if I needed to, I could go support my family without changing anything that we did day to day by working at a fast food restaurant. Interesting. So when did you pay that off? Paid that off uh, just over three years ago. Okay. So it's settled in now at this point. You paid off before you even hit 40. Yeah. Yeah. The goal was pay it off by 40 and about three, four months before that uh, we had some investments I just sold those and we paid off the remainder that was left on the house interesting so I've had this kind of I don't know if it's a theory but most people that I feel like that I've talked to that have paid off their house early have done a similar type thing where it was hey let's get aggressive let's pay down pay down pay down and then whenever I see that kind of final hey I got a hundred grand left or whatever it is let me sell something and finish and make that final payment. And it sounds like that's what you did as well. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We, we had had an investment that my wife actually had from years and years ago. 
and the numbers were starting to come close to each other. And the investment had done kind of mediocre. It wasn't really doing much. And so I was like, you know what? Let's just sell it. Gets rid of the house payment. And uh, that's what we did. What do you think it is about that final just, I don't know if it's a push or if it's just getting to the finish line. What is it about selling that last little chunk of something to make that final payment versus leaving your investments the way they are and continuing to just pay down aggressively? Yeah, well, I think part of it was that the investment wasn't really doing much. You know, it was just kind of hovering, didn't go up, didn't go down. It was a dividend type investment. So it was putting out money every year. But it's like, how long do you just want to hang on to it for? You know, as yeah, I just I just looked at it as we're, we're this close. Why wait another two, three years? It's just an arbitrary number, you know, the age mm-hmm. of 40, I guess, too. But okay. something. So that's what I did. Now, and there was no thought, I guess, when you started the journey of paying the house off early to sell the investment at that time to take a big chunk out then and lower kind of what that interest chunk was going to be? Uh, no, because it you know it was a fixed monthly payment, so that wasn't. If I had put those X thousands of dollars against it up front, it wouldn't have changed the monthly cost of it. So if something had changed, you know, more kids, unexpected events in life, now you don't have that buffer to play with. If I needed to, but when we had already reached the end of the goal, we had also built up other savings account and buffers so now i can just take that money throw it at the house it's done if something happens the day after i pay off the house i'm not scrounging for pennies what did you do to celebrate nothing (laughs) oh my goodness that was anticlimactic (laughs) well you have to kind of understand my wife too so like i go all about this stuff i texted her when we crossed over the million mark and i sent her a screenshot of it she didn't even respond to me She's just like, <laughs> can you mow the grass? So so you pay off the house and, and you're rewarded with mowing the lawn for it, huh? Yeah, essentially. <laughs> oh, man. And not even like a month later or anything that is sink in like, hey, I didn't make that mortgage payment the next month or nothing. You didn't use any of it. Nothing, no celebration or anything. No, no. It was just, you know, again, we talked about kids before and. Every day is kind of like Groundhog Day. So one just rolls into the next. And and we didn't, in, you know, it was a goal to pay off the house, but it wasn't to go do something else. Uh, like I know some people are like, you know, we save all this money up, we're going to go do this. And it was just more of our, just our day-to-day routine. And I was waiting for the Dave Ramsey, the grass is going to feel better. It didn't. It felt the same. <laughs> Like, it's nice to know, don't get me wrong, but it was, there was no streamers uh, falling from the sky. So let's back up a little bit. Tell us about how your financial journey started. Is this something you started when you were in your 20s or maybe even earlier? Did you grow up, you know, knowing all about finance? When did becoming a millionaire uh, become a goal of yours? Tell us more about how you got to this point. Sure. Yeah. So I didn't have any, financial education growing up. I think to some degree, my my mother was like, hey, you should save your money. And that was about the extent of it. Um, why? I don't know. What, like there was there, I just had no idea. And for the longest time in my life, it was kind of uh, almost my life motto, which is it just works out. And I applied that to everything, which is not a 
actually a good thing. <laughs> so I had a few rude awakenings as I was growing up and through my early and mid 20s, you know, things just as simple as I was, uh, I think, 24 or 25. And I said, I'm, you know, maybe I go buy a house. And I, I assumed that you just walked into a bank, you said, I want to buy a house. And they're like, here you go, have some money, go buy a house. And that's what I thought. And for, then for any like, listeners that haven't bought a house yet, that's not how it works. <laughs> it does not. It does not. And so just finances for me were were kind of a mess. And I just lived not even paycheck to paycheck. I lived credit card statement to credit card statement. And I felt that the credit card companies were the suckers. Because here they had given me $5,000 and all they wanted was 50 bucks a month. Like, who's the winner here? Clearly not them. <laughs> and then when one credit card gets filled, guess what? They send you another one with, you know, another five grand. So like, this is a great, this is a great way of doing things. And so, you know, I just, I just had no, no clue at all. When I was reaching 26, 27, I had moved to a different part of the country. I got a much better job. I started earning uh, better income to where I could now have more disposable income. And at that point is when I had heard a little bit about Dave Ramsey and started picking up on that program. And that's also the time when I met my now wife. So she, I was working, like I mentioned, in the construction industry. I had a good job. I made really good money, company vehicle, all kinds of benefits. And I met my wife who was working at a bank making you know, slightly above minimum wage. And she had been there for about a decade. And I went and met her for the first time because we met on the internet. So I flew out to meet her in person. And I was shocked because she had a paid for car. She had money in the bank. Like she had all this stuff. And I made way more money. I'm like, so clearly, there's an issue here. And it's not solely based off of how much you earn, it's how you manage your finances. So there was kind of a confluence of different influences hitting all at the same time. And, you know, it's just kind of embarrassing when you make at least double, almost triple what this girl makes that you're trying to impress. <laughs> <laughs> Who's impressing who here? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I still don't know to this day. She just says she, that somehow she saw potential in me. Um, <laughs> I don't know what she saw. She's nice. <laughs> yeah. And so that's when, and so now it's not, the roles haven't reversed, but certainly like the interest in tracking stuff is, I, I this, yeah, I go kind of nuts about this stuff a little bit now. And that's why when we were talking about paying off the house, she's just like, yeah, whatever, just do your thing, you know, tell me if there's something major going on. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was no education. Uh, my, my parents didn't teach me much. And it, it was also, I think through then, you know, my late twenties, when I started reading stuff, I met my now wife and also started to see some of the effects of my parents' decisions more so on the negative side. Like when my dad at one point, um, at my sister's wedding, like wrote me a handwritten note and slid it over to me and said, Hey, can I borrow a thousand dollars to pay the home insurance? And so I wrote a little note back to him and said, we'll talk later. And it's, it's kind of embarrassing to have to talk to your dad about 
money when like my dad went to university he's a professional and he probably obviously just didn't know and he wasn't he wasn't bad didn't have any habits or anything that would have led down a certain path but there was just no um no planning no forethought and uh yeah that was a that was an not awkward it was an embarrassing conversation for me to have with my dad and i said look dad i I love talking about this stuff. I think I've learned a lot uh, through experience. I'm happy to help out. You know, I don't I don't loan money out to family and friends. So yeah, that that was that was difficult. And it and that part of not just that conversation, but things leading up to it is also what motivated me to try to change that so that I don't have to slide that note to my kids. You know, 20 years down the road, I just don't think that's if you can change your trajectory, not put that burden on your children, I guess is, is another big portion of it. I didn't want to have to have that conversation with my kids. Right. Those are, uh, those are challenging experiences. Um, when you recognize a parent has, has had poor financial decisions and you want to help them, you want to be there for them, but also, you know, you need to be financially responsible yourself. And, and that, that can be challenging and really, really impact you and shape how, how you live your own financial life for, for your own children. So, wow, what, what an impact. So what were the first moves when you decided that you wanted to get your financial life together? You started reading some books and then what did, what did you dive into first? Yeah, so mostly it was, was reading. It was reading books, going to the library, taking out some books and just changing habits, right? So in the past before, if I needed or wanted something, I just go buy it. So like car needed new tires. Well, why would you buy the cheapest tires that actually work? Why not get these nice tires that are a thousand dollars? So changing those habits, you know, looking uh, for better value, um, obviously getting rid of credit cards, um, paying them down, paying them off, cutting them up, throwing them away. Um, I do use credit cards now. It's because I think I have a better understanding of how they work and they can be useful tools if if used properly. Um, and then, like I said, I had also gotten a new job, which increased the income quite a bit. Um, there was other illustrations where after my one vehicle died, before I learned, <laughs> I just walked down literally to the nearest car dealership to where I lived. And I just bought the first truck that I saw, it, you know, just no forethought over to what I actually needed, how much it cost. There was no negotiation on the price, nothing. And yeah, this is just crazy stuff in hindsight. You you were the sales guy's dream that day. So yes. good, good job for him. <laughs> yes, yes, very much so. When did you make the switch from not using credit cards to returning to using them? I don't know if I actually ever stopped using them i don't i don't honestly recall uh so no plastic surgery for you no i (laughs) have some really embarrassing old youtube videos of me like pretending to cut one up and throw it in the garbage i made with some roommates of mine uh but i don't think i actually it was more a symbolic thing of like this is now done it's paid off and uh but i don't think i ever actually got rid of them completely Okay. And now in terms of utilization, is it mainly for points and travel and some other benefits that they come with? Yeah. Yeah. hundred um, percent. That's actually what we just booked our trip for the whole family. 
uh, down to Florida in a couple of months. Nice. Good for y'all. Real quick on, on the investments, is all of the, the retirement accounts, are those in index funds or mutual funds? Yeah, they're, they're all in index or mutual funds. I have some uh, uh, dividend funds that I play around with, but the vast, vast majority is just index funds. And is that always been the case for you? Yeah, as long as I've invested, yeah. Um, having read some of the books, you know, about uh, expense ratios and uh, J.L. Collins, Simple Path to Wealth, that's kind of where I've always leaned. Awesome. Now, you made a mention that you started getting a little bit into alternative investments. Why did you deviate from the current path that you have been on in terms of investing in the market? So we have a, a really, really high savings rate. And of course, listening to podcasts like Millionaires Unveiled, um, you hear about folks that getting in, get into real estate. And with my background, I think that would be right up my alley. Uh, but also with three kids, I just don't have time. So um, through a couple of my connections, I found a former college friend that's doing some syndications. And I contacted him. And so I, I got into that here about a month or so ago. Uh, just, a, just a small syndication uh, for $25,000. We'll see how that one goes. and. Uh, and then possibly expand upon it just to kind of get into the real estate game as a, as a method of diversification. Yeah. So in terms of kind of the way you look at holistically at your finances now with a high savings rate, house paid for, you've got quite the nest egg in retirement, you're fellow, fairly relatively young. I mean, where, does, where, where do dollars get allocated at this point? Are you still maxing out 401k plans and then going to some of these others? Or how do you think about that? Yeah, I don't I don't get into the weeds, I guess, on a lot of this stuff. Um, a big thing is just automatic. So I have 401k is maxed every year. Roth is maxed. HSA is maxed. Um, and then I have $700 a month that goes into a brokerage account. The old house payment of $2,000 a month just goes into a savings account, which occasionally will pull from there. You know, if the property taxes are due, but over time it just kind of creeps up. I obviously mentioned that we had paid off the house. I think we'll probably have a mortgage again. Uh, we've been wanting to move for the longest time, but obviously with real estate doing what it has over the last few years, and now it the old the old Frank would have gone and just paid whatever for whatever. I just can't do that, and I and I know. You know, who knows what real estate prices are actually going to do? Are they going to go up? Are they kind of stabilizing where they are? I just can't get over the fact of potentially buying a house with no conditions on it. And I just can't bring myself to pay asking price, much less above asking price. I just, I can't do it. So that's also part of the reason for a large cash reserve because we just keep saving. Hopefully the next house we have some land and animals and, you know, implements and all that stuff. So I hope that answers the question. Yeah, no, I think that's that's great. And you mentioned you might go get a mortgage again. So how does that how does that kind of play into all this, you know, as, as you kind of continue to build wealth? Is it more of, hey, we want to get and enjoy some of that and we'll do that with the mortgage and having the mortgage paid off at this point, hey, I've done it once, I can do it again type thing or kind of what's the thought process there? 
yeah, that's some of it. Like I said, I was, I, I get bored easily. So that paid off house by 40, like I said, was somewhat of an, it wasn't completely arbitrary, right? There was a thought process behind it, given the industry that I'm in, but it wasn't for any pressing uh, event that I saw coming. So with getting a mortgage again, uh, when I do talk to my wife about these investments and stuff, she's like, well, that's great when we're 65, but we're not there for 25 years. Maybe we should do something now. I know a lot of folks on your show will talk about what's worth spending the money on and they'll be like travel, travel. And again, with our three kids, we don't tend to travel a lot and we just, we spend a lot of time at home. And I think there's been one or two guests that have mentioned that they're like, I like to spend my money on my house. So where we are, we don't want to spend money on our current home. We would like to spend the money on our next home, you know, to kind of create, uh, that environment that we want for our kids. So speaking of your kids, how are you trying to teach them about finances? So I don't know if I'm doing a very good job of that or not. I I think about back to my own childhood and I think about, you know, just in general when parents are trying to teach their children things. And I wonder if there's obviously things you can do uh, that stick with them. But I don't know if we know what those things are. So I think a lot of example is a big thing, right, that people can watch. Um, I try to impress upon my kids, you know, what a dollar represents. I don't know if they're quite to the age where they're catching on to that. You know, we try to give them things to work around the house to earn money, but they just want to go spend it on Pokemon cards. I'm like, you're not even going to like that in three years. Well, of course I will, Dad. You don't know anything. <laughs> so um, I'm I'm hopeful that as time goes on, that they'll start to uh, pick up some of the things. I drive them into school every Monday, and we listen to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast, and they just roll their eyes. And they're like, Dad, not this again. And so maybe, maybe after, you know. 10 years of listening, then some of this stuff will stick in their, stick in their heads and leave an impression. So <laughs> I love that. But those aren't quite the stories in the car, the, the, the audio books they were hoping for. No, um, no. Have you, <laughs> have you set up any accounts for them? Yeah, we have some, uh, I don't know what the, the technical term is for it. They're uh, UGMA. I think that's uniform gift to minors act. Um, so it's, I think the other big thing, whether it's Dave Ramsey or others, when people talk about, um, and this probably answers your question a little bit better than my last answer, is one of the things that I don't want my kids to have is a sense of entitlement. And I guess to speak quite positively about how I was raised, I knew I was getting nothing from my parents. And so I had to work for everything. And I did learn to work hard. I lived in a, in a small farming community. and you went to work and you were on time and you worked all day and that has served me extraordinarily well. I didn't know how to manage the money that I earned there, but I knew how to work. And so when I moved out of the small town and went to the big city, the opportunities were incredible because this guy shows up every day on time, like early. Where did he come from? This is weird. And so you could, that has helped in my career to accelerate it because it stands out. So by extension, when it comes to my my boys, 
at some point, of course, they'll have to know about these accounts that are in their name. And when they turn 18, I believe, is when they, they get legal custody of it. But whether college, we don't have any college accounts for our kids. That's not to say that we won't help out, but I, I don't want them to think that it's there for them. I'd rather reward after the fact than, well, it's taken care of. I don't need to work for it. I, I want to see if I can instill that, that drive that they have to go do it themselves. Do you have certain conditions that you can put on those at all? No, I don't think so. Um, I think it's, it's either 18 or 21 and, uh, and it just becomes, it transfers under their name. Do you, do you have any plans to kind of discuss this with them or a certain age, or is it just kind of arbitrary by each kid? Uh, that's just too far in the future. I have, I have no idea. I have no idea. Maybe I'll just not even tell them at all. And then <laughs> I'll wait till they're 25. Oh, by the way, I forgot to tell you. Seven <laughs> years ago, here's an account. So, yeah, you know, I, I'm, again, I'm hopeful that when they get, you know, teen years and, and so on, you know, depending on maturity levels and thoughts and plans. And maybe we can have some more conversations at that point. Do you plan on leaving any type of other inheritance to them or, or giving to them in any other way? Yeah. That, well, that's even further down the road, hopefully. <laughs> so uh, I, got a, I got a guy here who's going to pay off his house by the time he's 40. <laughs> but when we talk about life planning... <laughs> So the remember, remember the my road. motto, it just, it just <laughs> happens. It just works out. You know, I think a lot of that well, depends again. I just kind of, you know, uh, life choices, right. You know, Warren Buffett, I know he's famous for saying, I want to give my kids enough that they can do anything, but not enough where they don't have to do anything, you know? So yeah, I absolutely want to leave something to my kids and grandkids. But for me, that's just so far in the future. It hasn't really hasn't really crossed my mind. We'll leave those ones in the future. That's okay. We'll have you back on when it's closer <laughs> when I have to my time. Next mortgage. <laughs> when you have your next mortgage and you have a whole flock of sheep, then we can <laughs> Al- alpacas. That's what we're going for. Alpacas. Okay. I don't even know what you call a group of alpacas, but when you have your group of alpacas, <laughs> we'll talk then. So you've paid off the house, you reached millionaire status. What is the more immediate goal? Do you have something, do you have another carrot sticking out there for yourself? Uh, No, I think just kind of steady as she goes. Um, The next big thing that we're, (laughs) we've been waiting on for a lot of years is an opportunity to buy a house. And that just, I I don't think that it's going to present itself anytime soon. My wife is a lot more hopeful than I am. So we're just, we're just going to keep waiting and do the same thing day after day. Well, it looks like you're already on a, on a good trajectory. Yeah. I was, I was surprised. I had emailed with Jace earlier. We had recorded an episode actually three years ago. And at that point I was sitting at, I think 522 K. And it, it shocked me. And, my, and I, in my email, I said, probably in eight to 10 years, I can officially be on your show. So to be here now is is shocking. And obviously, a huge portion of that came in, in the house, in the equity, in the home. That's you know basically 50% of it. So for whatever that's worth. But you bought that home for way less than it's worth now, though, right? 
Oh yeah, way way less. We bought it in 2011 when and it had been vacant for a year. So the price was going down, price was going down and then we negotiated it and got it down further. Yeah, we paid 234,000 for the house. Okay. Well, let's wrap up with some rapid fire questions. What's the most expensive pair of shoes that you've purchased? I think probably around 160 bucks for a pair of running shoes a few years ago. Okay. What about the most expensive meal out? So I was trying to figure this out. Uh, we took a trip to the Cayman Islands about 10 years ago, and everything is incredibly expensive on the islands. We drank water. We did not have an appetizer. We did not have dessert. And I think our meal cost $250. Okay. What about the uh, most expensive car? Uh, well, we have the kids, so it's a minivan. We bought, uh, we bought a minivan, I guess, about four years ago. I think we paid 32000 for it. Okay. And that was all cash? All cash. Nice. What's a key lesson that you learned from childhood? Uh, absolutely hard work uh, and not quitting. I distinctly remember a summer job that I had painting this lady's white picket fence around her garden and it was miserably hot, mosquitoes everywhere and I remember like four hours into it this one dollar paintbrush that she had given me that was all frayed and picking up more dirt than it was painting the fence and I absolutely wanted to quit but I knew that I couldn't like I just wasn't allowed to my parent like if I went home my parents would have turned me around and sent me back so I was there for three days and got paid, you know, like 20 bucks for 20 hours worth of work. But the the option to quit was just never there. And that's that's been repeated sometimes in bigger instances. Like when I used to work for a living, we built a machine shop for a guy and a windstorm came along and blew it over and there was no insurance on it. And so we lost almost a month's worth of labor on it. And there just never was an option. Like I sat there for half an hour just to kind of process it. And then we went back, took it apart and rebuilt the building for free. Wow. What is the craziest thing that you've ever done to earn money? Oh boy. I don't know if there's anything that ranks up as crazy. I do have, you know, more of a, of a mindset to thinking of different ways to earn money. So whether it's just doing like, google surveys on my phone i know that makes like 10 cents or whatever but it's 10 cents and if i ever have an app that costs money which i never get paid for apps i have 15 dollars there that i could use to buy an app i used to have a drone business that i ran i was the first commercial drone operator in our state um i've done all kinds of different things but nothing like a few of your other guests with some pretty wild stories yeah, for sure. What's the most fun you've ever had with money? Oh, man, I'm going to have to think about that one a little bit. Um, hmm. Can we? Let's come back to that one. I'll, I'll think of something. Okay. All right. Uh, what's the most you've spent on a bucket list experience or trip? So our, our trip to the Cayman Islands a couple of years ago, I think, cost us around, I want to say, about $3,500 for the week. Okay, not bad. What's a closely held belief that you once had that you recently changed your mind on? So similar to that other question, I was thinking of this again this morning as I was listening to the podcast. I'm like, I know he's going to ask it. And I've been thinking about it for weeks. And I 
And I don't know if I have a good answer. I think kind of the story that we talked about earlier, there was a lot of beliefs that I changed, whether they were closely held or just something that I thought was the way things were, like it just works out. I certainly changed that. But as far as recently, I'll need a few more weeks to think about that one. Okay. Do you have a target net worth or passive income goal that you're trying to work towards? Yeah. And I don't know exactly what that is, which seems to be my standard answer for everything. I don't know. (laughs) Um, I would like to, at the age of 55, not have to work if I don't want to. At that point, my kids are going to be mid to late teens. Um, I probably still will. Like I get a lot of enjoyment out of what I do. And if I'm still employed, then I'll probably keep doing it. I know other people in the in the FI community, they want to retire by the age of 31. I'd be bored out of my skull. So I got to do something. So I would like to have the ability to quit and just not care at, a, at that age. And as far as a passive income, however, I get to what that number might be, you know, whether it's a hundred thousand a year or who knows what inflation is going to do over the next decade and a half. Um, I think I'd probably reevaluate as time goes on. Awesome. Any last pieces of advice for somebody who's just starting out? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as has been mentioned many times before, I think a really good saying is the best time to plant an oak tree was 50 years ago. The second best time is today. And I know that listening to a lot of this type of information, even for myself, you hear people that are at the four, the five, the 10, the 15, 200 million net worth or whatever it is. And it's easy to get discouraged thinking, well, I can't do it because I'm, I'm not 18 years old getting started. But what I tell people that I talk to in my circle is that you can actually improve your financial life. There are steps that you can make. Whether you get to 5 million net worth, 10 million is really neither here nor there, but you can improve your standing, you can improve your trajectory, and you can make a difference from from where you are today. It's similar to almost any other habit or um, things that we want to change in life. You, You have to get started somewhere. Losing weight, is difficult to do, but you got to start somewhere. And once you start getting that ball rolling and you start seeing some little results, it's incredibly motivating uh, to keep on the path and, and keep going. The other thing that I would add as well, which I think is important for people to know, is that no one has a greater interest in your financial success than you personally do. It's not your financial advisor. It's not your accountant. So I think that there should be a certain basic level of education that you get so that you know or have the ability to make informed decisions around your money, right? Understanding how a mortgage works, understanding how credit cards work, that it's not the credit card companies that you're taking advantage of. (laughs) They're taking advantage of you and just getting that education. The internet is an incredible place. You could probably do your own kidney surgery off of YouTube. And so the information's out there. You put in a little bit of time, you, you can get the information and you, you can you can start on a on a on a path that that changes your trajectory. It really does. Awesome. That's Frank with a net worth of one million dollars, newly minted millionaire. Thanks for coming on the show today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thank you. 
Thanks for listening to the Millionaires Unveiled podcast with Jace Mattinson. For more stories, investment opportunities, and information, check out our website, millionairesunveiled.com. See you next time when you'll hear from another everyday millionaire.